What's going on, everybody? David Harrison here from the Lockdown Bucks podcast. Thanks for joining us again for this, the third and final segment of our post-draft uh, roundup where we were honored to have Carmen Vitale from Buccaneers.com and Bailey Adams from ThePewterPlank.com join us to, to discuss everything that happened and, and everything that was going on and what it kind of means for the future. Here in this last segment, uh, it's kind of interesting, actually, because it's going to start off with James asking if we have any last things to say. And then uh, 20 minutes later, we actually wrap things up. Uh, very interesting segment. It's it's going to go over a variety of different topics. So uh, we had a lot of fun recording it. We had a lot of fun having the conversation, um, having Carmen and Bailey join us. So hopefully you guys enjoy listening to this. Thank you guys so much for listening to everything we did during the draft season. We're going to be bringing you as much content as we can during the offseason. Of course, leading into the regular season when we'll pick up our uh, normal five-episode-per-week schedule. So thanks again. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of this uh, here on the Locked On Bucks podcast. All right, guys. Well, any any final thoughts, any closing thoughts on uh, the Buccaneers 2017 draft class? I do. I do want to touch on one thing. Um, yeah. You know, when in the earlier portion, Carmen was talking about, you know, adding Quentin Nelson to the line to the offensive line would have made it one of the nastiest in the league. I think on the flip side, you know, ending up with Vita Vea, that just makes our defensive line. I think and, and I don't know if I'm going to say it's one of the best in the league, but it has so much potential to be really, really good and much better than anything we've seen in the last few years. I mean, if you just look at the the depth we have now, I think you look at, you know, you look at Vita Vea there in the middle with Gerald McCoy, as well as Bo Allen, Mitch Unrain, you know, those guys in the middle, plus, you know, adding Jason Pierre-Paul, adding Vinnie Curry. I just think the the depth that we have there is just so much greater than it was last year and even heading into the off season that it, there's a lot of potential there. And I'm really excited to see how that shakes out. And another thing is, you know, people were upset that they took Vita Vea over Derwin James because, Oh, our secondary is so bad. I think people forget way too often that the defensive line helps the secondary so much. And we can really see that. I'm really looking forward to seeing if, if that does pay off, if the, the extra pressure takes some pressure off. I mean, we now know we added the added some guys later in the draft, but, you know, getting that pressure from the defensive line can really just make things a lot easier for, for our secondary. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and of course, the other thing to keep in mind is scheme fit. Like David and I talked about um, on Friday morning's show, you know, Derwin James is going to do a phenomenal job in Chargers because he's on the Chargers. You know, do do the Buccaneers have the scheme that he could flourish in? Maybe. I mean, a lot of people were upset that they drafted MJ Stewart over Isaiah Oliver. Well, you know, maybe Stewart fits what they did a little bit better. Maybe they saw some flaws in Oliver's game that were, you know, too similar to what they saw from other players that didn't work out so well. We just don't know. We haven't put in the hundreds upon hundreds of hours of film study and and traveling to these games and scouting these players that that the members of the Buccaneers have, and they don't always get it right. We know that. They've they've missed you know plenty, but under Jason Light, they seem to have hit a lot more than they missed on. So I'm not going to get upset that they passed on Oliver or or you know Josh Jackson or Darius Guys or any of these guys because more often than not, like I said, they they seem to get it right. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, Bailey. Yeah, I mean that's another thing too. I've I feel like I've trained myself well enough with the last couple of drafts to to remain just kind of like level-headed about it 
you know, if if my guy, the guy I wanted that pick, isn't taken and someone else is, that doesn't mean the pick that they made is terrible automatically. Because you know, if you, I mean, Twitter mentions are one of the worst places in the world to to look at. But oh, if you I just if you just look at, oh yeah, I'm sure we we have some some people that show up in our mentions. But just looking at the Bucks mentions when they when they um, drafted Vita Vea, immediately people were saying, oh, this was a terrible pick. You know, Dern was there, trash pick. Like I want to know how many of those people. I think I said this in the group chat. I wonder how many of those people actually have seen Vita Vea play, or actually know who he was. Just because you don't know who he is or you don't know anything about him, that doesn't mean he's a bad pick or he's not going to be a good player. I just want to make that clear. I don't want to sound like I'm yelling at people, but that's just something I feel pretty strongly about. I guess. No, and you're you're 100 right. Like there's there's a big difference between drafting off of reputation and and pop culture. I guess I don't know if you want to call it that, but popular opinion versus drafting for team needs and based off of what you see independently as an evaluator. And uh, Greg Lomond actually just uh, not too long ago sent out a similar tweet. Somebody came at him on Twitter and said, you know, I don't understand it. Uh, you know, there are plenty of guys. I think they were talking about the MJ Stewart tweet and or a uh, pick. Somehow there are plenty of cornerbacks better than MJ Stewart. And do they really have Stewart above Carlton Davis on their board? And uh, not for nothing, but I mean, the, the draft is a dance, you know, it's a chess game. It's not, it's, it's not, a, it's not checkers, it's chess, you know, and uh, we're never really going to know. I don't think where the Buccaneers had who on the board and all that stuff. And it's possible they had Davis up higher on the board, but it's also possible the way they saw the board falling and the team's picking that they felt like there was a better chance they would get Davis later instead of Stewart. So pull the trigger on Stewart, hoping that you have Davis back there. Maybe there's another guy they had valued similarly to Davis and the role that he's going to play on the defense. So now you've got two options versus the one that Stewart fills. So there, there's a whole lot of what ifs and all this that go into play that, as Carmen said, she doesn't even know because she's out, you know across the hall, you know behind outside the closed doors, and she doesn't even know that. So if there's folks in one buck uh, who don't know what's happening and why the picks are being made the way they are, there's not a whole lot of sense in us trying to figure out why they did what they did. We can figure out why we like who we like, but I've said it before, you know, like especially like I know me when I look at players for the for the draft season, I'm doing my mock drafts and all that stuff. I'm looking at them from my point of view and my perspective. I'm evaluating players in a vacuum. You know, you're you're straight up, you know, you're evaluating players as just a general cornerback, not a cornerback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And there's two really big differences there. And when I look at Derwin James, I like what Derwin James brings to the table, but I'm not reading him knowing what the Buccaneers want to do on defense in 2018 because I don't know that information. So I, there's a big chunk of the information that I'm missing and that all, all the mock drafters and all the, you know, the, the John Ledyards, the Trevor Sycamas and, and the other guys from, uh, you know, the Mike Mayox, they're all missing that very valuable chunk of information, which is what kind of player do they want to fill what role moving forward? And that, and that's pretty much as simple as you can, you can put it. Did either Bailey to to follow up on your your point of the Buccaneers mentions when they announced the pick? Did either of you see what JJ Watt tweeted out on no. Thursday night? <laughs> yeah. Okay, David, you said no. No. Okay, JJ Watt on his Twitter account. Oh, you mean I from his it. from his scouting report? From his from no, no, no 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 no. Say again. From the media, what the media said about him getting picked? No, no, similar. But Thursday night, J.J. Watt tweets out two screenshots of the comment section underneath the announcement on the Houston Texans Facebook page that with the 11th pick in the 2011 draft, the Houston Texans selected Wisconsin defensive end J.J. Watt. Some of the comments in here, 
Why, what, boo, in all caps, that takes up two lines. Another really long boo. Not a good decision. Um, another boo. No with like 17 O's. Not a wise pick. Uh, one guy says, I'm done. There's a what? No good. We need a better QB. Um, horrible. Shake my head. Another stupid choice. WTF. Shake my head. Uh, we still suck. Haven't we learned from the other failures at defensive line we drafted in the first round? Why another WTF? Like these are the immediate reactions of the people who are criticizing the people making these decisions. You're talking about JJ Watt. This was the immediate reaction of a, of the choice of the best defensive player in all of football. So take things with a grain of salt when you're, reading these reactions or when you're reacting yourself, it may not be who you wanted. Yes. We all know Florida state fans. They wanted Derwin James. We know you didn't get him. Okay. We have Vita Vea. Be excited about it. I'm excited about it. I think Bailey's excited about it. I think David's excited about it. Carmen's very excited about it. Yeah. It was a good pick. I mean, all these people screaming, we need a Derwin James are the same people who have been crying for the past 10 years that there's been nobody to help Gerald McCoy or the defensive line has been garbage since Sapp and Rice left. It's, it's, the, it's the same group of people. So you're finally getting the problem you've been complaining about addressed. And now, oh, it's too much. It's never too much. To illustrate that point one step further. Please. For, I think, two or three weeks leading up to the draft, the lock screen on my phone was an edited picture of Jameis Winston standing next to Darius Geis in a Bucks uniform. And then the Bucks had their chance to get Darius Geis in the second round. We all know that. They passed on him. They took Ronald Jones a second. I'm extremely happy about it. I wish I, I like Geis a lot, and I would have loved to see him in a Bucks uniform. But that doesn't mean I think that Ronald Jones is a bad pick because I think he's going to be extremely productive. I'm really excited to see him play. And as, as much as I like Darius Geis, Obviously, someone or multiple people in one buck thought, hey, given our choice of the two, we like Ronald Jones better. And I'm going to trust them over my own evaluation of players, considering I'm a 20-year-old man-child that <laughs> doesn't really know what he's talking about. So You're a pretty smart guy, Bailey. Don't undersell yourself. Yeah. Um, but, James, you may, just to, to – go ahead. I was just going to say, you may not be working for the Buccaneers right now, but you may be on your way. So let's, <laughs> you know, let's not throw around too many self-insults there. <laughs> Um, but just, just one thing on the, on the JJ Watt thing, I actually did see that and, and I retweeted it and then someone <laughs> on locked on bucks, Twitter account responded. And I don't, this isn't a quote, but basically like, oh, well, given his injury history, it, it seems like it, it was oh still wasn't God. a good pick. And I didn't respond because there's really no constructive way for me to continue that conversation. So I just moved on um, with my day, but listen, JJ Watt has given the Houston Texans five years of 16 games of being, like you said, the best defender in the national football league, right? In 2016, he had one and a half sacks, only played three games. I think that was a groin injury year, right? In 2017, I know there's different seasons, right? But in 2017, so guess how many Buccaneers in 2017 doubled J.J. Watt's sack total despite the fact he played three games in 2016? None, not a single one. So anybody who's still saying J.J. Watt is not a good pick, the dude's 29 years old. Like, if the Buccaneers were announced today that they traded, I don't know, like a 2019 third-round pick, even a second-round pick, honestly, for J.J. Watt, I would go to my nearest computer and buy me a J.J. Watt Buccaneers jersey. But what number pray, were you 
99. I don't care. And then I would pray <laughs> that they'd figure out the salary cap stuff on the back end because obviously that would wreck the salary cap. But, um, like, get, you know, so I don't know. It was only one person, so I really shouldn't get angry about it. But get out of here with that crap. Like, I don't care if J.J. Watt never plays another snap for the Houston Texans. That was an awesome pick, and that was one of the best picks in their franchise history. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah, I had, I had another place to go with that, but I'm, I'm pretty much done. Well, there's I the the best way that I have learned to respond to tweets like that, and I do it really, really often, is just go into the gift section and search Jennifer Lawrence and then send them the gift where she just kind of shakes okay. And then yeah, just leave it at that. Like I'm not going to tell you in words how stupid you are. So I'm just gonna let Jennifer Lawrence do it for me because at least while I'm insulting you, you can look at her cute face. <laughs> like it's a good tactic. It's as nice as I'm going to be to you as I'm going to give you her face to look at while she looks at you like you're a complete and utter moron. By the way, the Cavaliers are up 86 to 79 and LeBron James actually did come off the floor. How dare he? Wow. What a liar. I'm, I'm not even <laughs> going to edit that out of the podcast either. <laughs> Character issues. Characterish. Characterish. He said he was going to play the whole game. Huge. Uh, Bailey, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Michael Jordan. LeBron Very good. James. It's LeBron James. Um, I, actually, so what I wanted to say, Ronald Rojo, right? So, uh, so the night that he got picked, I actually before I went to bed, I turned back on uh, the Ohio State USC game because I have it on my DVR for obvious reasons, but I watched it again, not for those reasons but just to see what he did in that game. Cause I never really went back to that game and watched it for him. You know what I mean? Um, and despite all the struggles the USC had and despite the outcome and all that stuff, the, 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 the impact he did get to have, he, he, de- he did really well. And Ohio State's defense is not anything to play around with. Like I, I, I wouldn't say like the Buckeyes could beat the Browns, you know what I mean? Or anything crazy like that, but that defense slapped Saquon Barkley around. Yeah, that Ohio State defense has got a lot of future NFL players on it. Um, obviously, they got saying... drafted this year, and what are going to get drafted in the future, right? And Rojo did pretty well. Like he, like the again, he didn't get a lot of opportunity, but the opportunities he did get, and the way he was able to move and maneuver and read the defense and find holes and, and all that stuff, like he actually didn't do uh, very bad in a functional way. Right, get beyond the stats, get beyond the results of the game. I'm talking player functionality and and all that. He did. He actually didn't do bad. So. I'm pretty excited for him. I've already seen Nick Bosa's name thrown around as a potential number one pick and that NFL scouts and executives think he's going to be better than Joey. Oh, he will be the top pass rusher taken off the board whenever he comes out, whether it be 2019 or 2020. Whenever he comes out, he will be the number one pass rusher taken, barring weed smoking videos and injury. I hope so much that we have five more quarterbacks next year talked about going in the top ten. Just because your head's going to explode. They will oh, be. it's going to be fantastic. There will be. I already listed them. <laughs> I don't know, go back to one of those previous episodes. I already listed three of the guys that are probably going to be earth-shaking, franchise-changing quarterbacks next year that the Cleveland Browns absolutely have to take because Baker Mayfield didn't pan out or something. I don't know. I don't wish Baker Mayfield not to pan out. I just, yeah, I hate the narrative every year. Like, you got to take a franchise quarterback while you have the chance. You'll have a chance next year. Trust me. It's coming whatever bailey which which college running back next year is going to be the generational talent that we haven't seen in 10 years that we get every single season all of them all of them <laughs> <laughs> oh the draft cliches they're, they're gone 
they're gone. But you know, you know, Monday, which by the time you're listening to this portion was probably three days ago. There's going to be a 2019 mock draft release. There is. Has there not been one yet? I feel like there has to have been one. I'm sure there is somewhere. I'm not reading it. (laughs) Because usually my best friend will send me a 2019 mock draft after or he'll he'll send me a mock draft for the following year right after the draft finishes. I'm just like, why? We don't why? I don't understand. <laughs> Ugh. All right. Well, gentlemen, I think that's gonna conclude however many episodes this finishes as. Um again, uh Bailey, thank you so much for all your contributions to thepewterplank.com over the weekend. Um, Why don't you let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and what all you have uh, up at thepewterplank.com from this crazy craziness that is pursued. Yeah, it's good to be back. I was was out for about a month and I missed it. And it's good to be back. I joked with you guys yesterday that I want another month off after this weekend, but that is not happening. No, yeah, (laughs) it's not happening. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22. And from this weekend, I had three things you need to know on every one of the Bucks draft picks, not just football-related, but, you know, some of their family background, um, some of their high school stuff, something, some of the things they like to do in their off time, like Alex Kappa being an improv and drama fan. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's about it for me. All right, well – David, any closing thoughts before we uh, we sign off here and I get to sit down and try to figure out how to edit this madness? No, I'm just going to add one more curveball in there. So John Ledger just published okay. his uh, <laughs> day three picks that can start as rookies. And uh, for the Indianapolis Colts, because um, I know you have uh, a very close person in your life who is a fan of theirs, he listed everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can pass that on. I will send him the link immediately. That is fantastic. I might just retweet it and tag him on Twitter. It'll probably be easier. David, where I thought you were going with that sentence, I thought you were going to say that he published uh, day three picks for 2019. Yeah. I was about to cry. I thought you were about to tell me that he dropped like a seven round 2019 (laughs) mock draft. I don't think John will ever. If John were to do a 2019 mock draft, I would have to really believe that it was, it was done at gunpoint and not hold him accountable for it whatsoever. Oh, poor John. He was so disappointed in his Steelers draft. Yeah, he was. About oh, that Raiders draft. Oh. Raiders. Oh, geez. Everybody's still disappointed that we didn't get John Gruden back because so I watched funny. all those picks and I was thinking, yeah. yep, he's still clueless. So uh, I was watching the uh, the Pew Reports uh, live YouTube cast, or I can't remember what they called it, but I was watching their live cast, right, during the draft. And at one point in the chat, one of the people watching asked, uh, did the Bucks dodge a bullet with John Gruden? And you can almost see Scott Reynolds and Trevor Sycamore read the question at the same time. And usually they said, like, oh, hey, this person asked this question, here's our answer. Without saying anything, both of them almost simultaneously went, yep. <laughs> And I just I started laughing because I knew exactly like they later said this is why we said yup but as soon as they said yup like I knew exactly what question they were talking about and it's just the funniest thing I, I saw all night so yeah. oh. <clears throat> what a disaster that interesting was interesting things happening in, in, in future Las Vegas I do not miss his drafts whatsoever 
What was, <clears throat> yeah, and then of course now I just thought of this. Uh, what was the best uh, day three pick as far as the gimmicks? Okay. You know, we had we had the parrot for Tampa. We had the Star Wars in San Francisco. We had season ticket holders in Seattle. We had oh, what else did we have? There was a bunch of them. There was a, a representative of a grocery store for Cincinnati, which is fitting because it's that grocery store's brown paper bags that all the fans put over their heads. <laughs> That's funny. That's not even a joke. It always has their logo on it. <laughs> the Star Wars one wouldn't have been so bad, except for it was drawn. One, it was drawn out too much. Like there was too much R two D two, and they're like, "What do you say? What were you saying?" Like, like do that. I don't know. Like there was too much of that, and then the. Uh, I had a Twitter follower who actually cleared it up for me because I don't know anything about it. But basically, it's on the production manager, or I can't remember call him, but basically the production team because like, you could hear him like, "All right, bring him in, bring him in, bring him in." And it's like, uh, you know, blooper reel or whatever. I mean, live TV is hard. Um, I don't hate on the parrot so much, but James, you, you know, I have a I have a animal training background, so I know how difficult it is to get animals to do what they're trained to do on the spot, especially when you're under high pressure situations. So, because I'm pretty sure that parrot was supposed to expand his wings and like show yeah. everybody all the pretty colors. She, the, uh, the chick dressed as a pirate kept flapping her arms and he yeah, just wasn't yeah. having it. And I feel for it because, and you know, I know a lot of people make jokes and of course it's funny, but I've been in situations where you have animals out there, you're putting on demonstration or whatever you want to call it. And, and they don't always do like these, these, they have minds of their own. They have personalities of their own. And sometimes like, yeah, you know what? Now nah, I'm good. And okay. honestly, what it probably boils down to is overtraining to be honest with you. Like, uh, obviously, I don't know anything about the situation, but just getting off on a tangent that nobody cares about. Like they had probably done that shot so many times and practiced that read and practiced the wings so much that at that point, that bird's like, "No, nah, I'm good." Like uh, if you haven't gotten it by now, you're not getting it at all. So you know, <laughs> animals don't know when it's recording and when it's live TV. So that's that's my defense of the parrot. Okay. Were people really asking Jenna Lane if she was that person dressed up as yes. a pirate? Yes, yes, they did, and she actually had to tweet that no, she was not that person. And then somebody photoshopped her face onto that lady <laughs> and said, after I zoomed in, I can confirm it was indeed Jenna Lane. And that was hilarious. Like she even retweeted. She's like, I, I can't anymore. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for whichever number episode this ends up being. It's either going to be three or four. I'm not sure at this point, but we thank all of you for continuing to listen along to all of our draft recap coverage. Of course, a big thank you to Carmen Vitale of Buccaneers.com and a big thank you to our own Bailey Adams. You can find him on Twitter at Bailey J Adams 22. Make sure to send him all of your Red Sox gifts because he loves the Red Sox. Make sure that you're following everything that we're doing over at thepewterplank.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at thepewterplank, at jarco underscore bucks, and at dh82 underscore bucks. Thanks to each and every one of you for joining us right here at LockedOnBucks. With the uh, third choice in the 2002 draft, the Detroit Lions suggest, select Joey Harrington, quarterback from Oregon. Yay! Good pick. With the first pick in the 2007 NFL Draft, the Oakland Raiders select quarterback Jamarcus Russell, LSU. Six, five and a half.
260 pounds. You saw him throwing his knees over 60 yards. Your Marcus Russell, who last year threw for over 3,000 yards, 68 And with the fifth pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Mark Sanchez, quarterback, USC. There's a lot of Patriot fans here and a lot of Giant fans here who don't like seeing Jet fans. the eighth pick in the 2011 NFL Draft, the Tennessee Titans select Jake Locker, quarterback, Washington. I don't know, every year you meet a guy that really impresses you and you just love to coach. This guy reminds me of a young Rich Gannon. He's got very...